0: I got it from my dad, but also with that, you know, the pressure comes that he was, such, he was a very good player and, you know, he wanted his son to be as good, if not better. And when you're not quite there at certain moments of your life, the pressure's definitely there for sure.
1: Hello, I'm Jim Salverson and welcome to Football Stories, a podcast that seeks to tell some of the more interesting tales from the beautiful game. Football tends to focus on the big. The big names, the big match, the big clubs. But in this first series of football stories, we're going to be looking not at the big, at the obvious, but at some of the lesser heard stories from the sport. Maybe not big names, but people who have often had a big impact on football as a game and letting them share their views, their opinions, their story from a side of the game that we don't see every single day. Today on the podcast, I'm going to be chatting to former Chelsea youth player Dan McCarthy about what it's like to play for and ultimately be released by a prestigious Premier League youth team. Which, for a young man whose only dream it is to play football at the top level, I can only imagine must be absolutely devastating. Dan was with the academy at Chelsea for a few years. He trained with the likes of Gael Kakuta, Fabio Burini, Josh McEachren, and Ruben Lofters-Cheek. He's now a full-time coach, a prominent source of Chelsea news on Twitter and... Much to my jealousy, he lives out over in sunny Los Angeles, which is exactly where I caught up with him. Dan McCarthy is the youth prospect.
0: Thanks for having me, Jim. Appreciate it, buddy.
1: So I want to start the conversation today where your journey in football started. And that was as a young player with Chelsea. What age was it when you first joined up with their academy?
0: Early teenage years. So between 13 and 16, I was with the famous Chelsea. Yeah, good times.
1: Was there an instant change to the way you thought about football at that point? Because I'm assuming previously it was a level above just kind of kicking around with your mates in a park. But surely there's a big difference in suddenly turning up at Chelsea's academy training grounds and playing with, in front of coaches and the structured development that they have there. That must be something quite big to process.
0: Well, definitely for the obvious reasons, like you say, the level, the coaching, the environment that you're in. And also being a Chelsea fan, you know, since, you know, my dad's a massive Chelsea fan. My whole family are huge Chelsea fans from the area, et cetera, et cetera. So that took on a whole new meaning of wearing the Chelsea stuff and being a fan. You just wanted Mm -hmm. to impress even more. And the pressure was definitely there from a lot of parties. Yeah, definitely a massive step up. But the step you wanted to make as a kid, obviously, and that's the dream, right, to play for your the team you support. So a welcome pressure indeed.
1: What was it like getting the training kit for the first time as a Chelsea fan and kind of pulling on the tracksuit?
0: Yeah, huge. You know, every team I've joined, I've always been a huge fan of like the gear you get, you know, you get all, the, <laughs> all the stuff. And even now as a coach and even in my playing days, you know, when you get that gear for the first time or that new gear every year, yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely special for sure. And it's a lot better when you don't pay for it.
1: <laughs> you mentioned the pressure. How conscious are you of the pressure at that age? Is it Does it suddenly feel like a weight or... Do your parents and your coaches and whatnot do their best to kind of keep that away from you?
0: Yeah, uh, the coaches were great. You know, the coaches were always very adamant on taking the pressure off. Just, you know, you're here now, but now you've got to stay here. So there was definitely pressure, but they were great at kind of taking the pressure off you and kind of say, just go out there and play. Because as you'll know, and many people will know that if you're thinking about it too much when you're playing, you won't give yourself your best performance. My dad did a great job of kind of, he was tough. My dad was tough and, he, you know, he put a lot of pressure on me in terms of the level I was at. But, you know, we had long car rides home. I didn't live anywhere near the area, so we had a long journey there to and from to kind of talk about it and kind of calm myself down. I was definitely nervous a lot. You know, it's a big dream at a, big, at a young age. But, yeah, no, the coaches are great at taking the pressure off and then my, my dad there as well.
1: Your dad played the game as well, didn't he?
0: So he played at the top level. He was unfortunately riddled with injuries. He has bad ankles, and he'll, t- he'll tell you that now. You know, he tries to get for a round of golf, and he can't even move anymore due to his ankles. But, yeah, he played at a very high level. I saw him play a couple of times, and the one time I saw him play, and I can remember he scored a hat-trick and could an overhead kick, and I actually ran onto the pitch as a young, young kid and got told off pretty bad, so that was a good story. But <laughs> I got it from my dad, but also with that, you know, the pressure comes that he was, such, he was a very good player. And, you know, he wanted his son to be as good, if not better. And when you're not quite there at certain moments of your life, the pressure's definitely there for sure.
1: I imagine that kind of adds a slightly different angle on stuff because you see, particularly if you go and watch kids' games now, you see a lot of dads wanting to have their fledgling football careers. And everyone's had trials at some point in their life, haven't they? Fledgling football careers, they want to live those through their kids and there's a certain amount of pressure there. I guess for you, if your dad's played at that high level, the pressure suddenly becomes, because everyone wants to be better than their dad at something. So the pressure must be there to kind of live up to the standard.
0: Definitely. And he, you know, we used to joke about it and banter about it, you know, like, oh, you'll never be as good as me, et cetera, et cetera. But what I will say is whenever he came to watch me play, he was never that dad shouting or screaming or behind or near the coach. He was always in the corner on a a chair on his own, keeping quiet. You know, he'd have quiet words of me here and there just to kind Mm. of give me tips and stuff, which was obviously very welcome from him. But he was never that pushy parent who was like, You've got, to, you know, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, or ever shouting. He always kind of left it until the car ride home, and it'd always be in the whole, oh, well done, Dan, you scored four today, why don't you score five? So. <laughs> in, recent, <laughs> in
1: recent years, there's been quite a few stories that have kind of bubbled up around recruitment practices at academy level, and how some scouts might use, I hesitate to use the word underhand methods, but certainly skirting around the rules in terms of recruitment. Did you see any evidence of that when you were going through the academy? Of people kind of offering benefits, if you like, to actually joining up? Or was it all about the football?
0: No, I wish I could give you some juicy gossip because (laughs) I know it's hell for everyone. But, you know, in terms of what I kind of saw and heard, not really because, in all honesty, I was very kind of shadowed from all that kind of stuff. My dad Mm. made it a very big deal of taking care of all that. I kind of just played, you know. I was just responsible for playing. In terms of like you know, the benefits that you would get, such as, like, you know, money for petrol or football boots and stuff like that, yeah, that's evident, and that happens for sure, and, you know, I have seen one situation where one kid was approached by about, honestly, it must have been about 20 to 30 different academy coaches at the same time, and all kinds of shouts were being thrown out of what was being bought, such as a new car, and he was barely, like, yeah. you know, 14, 15, and so, yeah, I've heard, like, stuff like that, but in terms of myself or, like, anything really close to me, like a friend or anything, not really, but I'm you know, Jim. I'm sure it does happen. But I was very kind of shadowed from it because of, you know, like you said earlier, the pressures and stuff. You don't want to worry about that stuff too much.
1: What's it like being a young star at an academy in the days you were there there? Because we don't often hear much about kind of how academies are now and how they've been in recent time. We hear the stories from the old pros about cleaning boots and sweeping out dressing rooms and, getting taken round to star players' houses to decorate their front rooms or whatever it was. But I think kids now seem to be sort of young footballing children to be treated with a little bit more respect. Are they treated like the potential future superstars they are? Or are there those elements that keep them grounded like the boot cleaning?
0: It was kind of phasing out. It would have phased out kind of when I was there. It was slowly starting to transition to what it is now, you know, the whole they get away with everything and it's not as, you know, rough and tough as it used to be. I, I know there's still values there, of course, of like you know, taking care of little jobs, but they're very, very minimal now. Very, very easy to kind of get by and to be done because they want all their focus to be on being a football player, mm. um, and not worrying about you know cleaning Zola's boots at the end of the day, even though you know the core values are there and it's a good idea, and I, I think it should still be there to some point because I remember myself being a young kid playing in that level and you do get big time naturally and you, it's hard to stay grounded sometimes and it's hard to stay humble when you know you're playing for your a top club, a top academy, and even the club that you support. You have got your friends at school and your friends around you. You know it's, it's tough, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot more easier now than it used to be. That's for sure.
1: So at some point in your career, you went from being in the Chelsea academy to being told that you weren't going to make it, that you weren't going to be taken to the next level. What was that moment like hearing that news?
0: Uh, yeah, it's probably a reason why I haven't spoke about this level or this step in my career too much because it was it was very very tough. It was always the goal, the dream to kind of get there, and then watch, I wish I knew this back then like I do now. They always say right, that the easy part's getting there, the hard part's saying it and mm. you know naturally as a young kid when you get there you think oh you've made it and this is it and then you start training with the best of the best and you start realizing that this is a whole other level and you have to commit your life to it so yeah when I unfortunately found out it wasn't going to continue it was pretty devastating in all honesty it kind of knocked me into in terms of my whole career I didn't really have much motivation to kind of go elsewhere after that because I felt like you know I didn't reach the top of the mountain where I wanted to be and mm. so yeah very very tough dad was kind of I don't know if he saw it coming, but he was very kind of mellow about it. He kind of, just kind of said, you know, there's always setbacks and this is going to happen. And it's not about how you get kicked down, it's about how you get back up. So, yeah, very, very tough. And any kid who's been through it, they'll tell you it's it's heartbreaking for sure. Is there any level
1: of support that's offered you from the club at that point? Or is it just, that's it, you're not good enough, see you later? Is there any kind of like, I don't know, mental health support or anything like that that's offered at that stage?
0: Yeah, I mean, not really. I don't know if that's just because it was me, and obviously I wasn't one of the guys you're talking about or reading about now, so maybe not. But and also back then, as you know, mental health wasn't as important or mm, prevalent as it probably is now. So I'm sure, that might have changed since then. But in terms of support, you know, they kind of said that I was given coaches' names and numbers, and kind of opportunities did come from it. You know, for lower league teams and whatnot. In terms of whether you take them opportunities or not, is up to you, I guess, and your family. But yeah, there was a little bit of support there, but maybe it could have been more. But back then, it wasn't as prevalent, you
1: know. When you look at the players from the group that you would have been playing around at that time, and I'm sure there's a few that have gone through onto the big stage and big things, do you, can you identify what separates them from those who weren't as successful? Obviously, talent is one thing and the natural ability is one thing, but are there any other qualities that you spot in there and go, OK, yeah, that that was there from the start. I can see that now.
0: Yeah, definitely pure dedication to the sport and every aspect, you know, in terms of diet. You know, even at that age, you'd be, you'd be very surprised mm. how how well they take care of their bodies at such a young age. You know, I was a young kid with a lot of friends, a lot of different group friends, and there'd be times where you do stupid stuff on the weekends and, you know, and, and the top players just wouldn't be doing that. You know, they'd be staying in, they wouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. And even small things, like playing football at school and getting injured or little nicks, and then you go to training at night or in the morning and it'll be, You'd be feeling it, so definitely a dedication to the sport in all aspects is a big one, and in all honesty, back then the English game was very very physical, and I'm sure you've seen or maybe you haven't but you will if you looked into it the pure physical size of these kids. I was one of the smaller guys unfortunately, which was probably the main well, it was the main reason I was released because of size. you know I was very small back then, whereas you look at the kids now and they're just huge yeah. they're, they're just they are huge and it's not just about ability it's just the physical strength and there's one player that obviously you can think about in Ruben, who is just, he's technically one of the best, but he's also just a physical specimen. So pure dedication to the sport, I would say, in all aspects, and, and also the physical side of it, which one of the two things that really separated the best when, from the rest.
1: When you were in that stage, was it still the age groups being separated by age? Because I know that they kind of do it slightly differently now, don't they? Where they, they separate the groups of players out by physical stature, almost. So like where they are in their development.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. It was more kind of age back then. Obviously, there were discrepancies and there were fluctuations within that. You know, like certain players would play up a few years. I played up one time, a few times or whatever and all that stuff. But yeah, it was definitely more, it wasn't as fluctuate as it probably is now, yeah.
1: I think Chelsea get called out quite a lot for their stockpiling of youth players and the way they particularly bring players in from elsewhere around Europe and then either keep them in the reserves or farm them out on loan. When you were there, did it feel like there was ever a genuine route through to the first team? Could you see that progression in front of you?
0: Personally, it was very, very tough. You know, I wasn't in that top 1%. You know, I was there and I was playing very well and I was there for a while and obviously kept coming back and I I did pretty well. And it was really the size that stopped me from going really anywhere. But in terms of route to the first team, not really. It was tough back then. You know, we're talking mid-2000s. It was very tough. You know, certain individuals, the ones and twos, would probably see it differently. But the majority of us, maybe not. It was, you know, you always see the players and you you kind of always dream and look over and be like, wow. But in terms of actually getting there, a clear path, I'll probably say it's pretty tough.
1: It feels like something that's happening less and less in football in the moment. You get those young players coming through, particularly to top teams like Chelsea and like Manchester City and Manchester United. It seems quite rare that you get that player that has come through the academy that the fans can relate to and they can go, that's one of our own. That's our guy playing on the pitch. Why do you think it is that? Do you think there just isn't that level of development? Or do you think that just the stakes are so incredibly high now for the Premier League that they can't take risks on the younger players?
0: that's a good question i would definitely say it's the stakes you know the developments there you know chelsea's coaching staff and all ends up academy's coaching staff is incredible but i haven't got a bad word to say about any of the coaches you know the coaches are fantastic the knowledge the compassion was brilliant you know you're given the tools to prepare yourself to get there and you know you can't really make that as an excuse i think you could be seen as maybe bitter or, or anything like that if you say that but mm-hmm. Yeah, like you say, in terms of the stakes, the stakes are just so high now. The money in the game, the expectations in the game, the turnover in managers in the game. Even in the academy, you know, it's the pressure is extremely high. And, you know, everyone loves that story of one of our own. And the fans love it and relate to it. And as a fan myself and growing up, going to the game, season tickets and whatnot, you kind of want to be that guy too, of course. But they they don't, you know, it's a business to it, Jim, as you know. And mm. the business side doesn't see that as much as the, the fan side. So they have to take care of Dot the I's, cross the T's, rather than the actual passion and the actual, you know, feel good story about it, if you get what I
1: mean. I guess we saw a kind of an element of the youth coming through last season with Chelsea and Frank Lampard's first season in charge, the transfer ban forcing their hands slightly and them having to dip into the Youth Academy and bring through some of these prospects that have been in the wings for a while. As a Chelsea fan and as someone who's come through the Academy, that must have made you quite proud to be able to see that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I have obviously friends, connections within the club and around the club still. And you know, whilst we're it's hard to kind of get on everyday talking bases, as you know, we're busy people being busy and life's changing and growing up and whatnot. It's definitely great to see familiar faces on the TV and familiar faces making something of themselves within their career. And you know, you always want to push them. You want them to go as far as they possibly can and and live the dream out. And, You always want the best for them people because you know how hard they've worked. You've seen it behind the scenes, what they go through to get there. Me and my friends, we always joke about what if and, you know, Mm. seeing them guys and you get a lot of banter coming my way, but it's great, you know. Yeah, to see all the kids coming through last year and understand the whole process behind it, which I'm lucky to do, it's definitely great. And you just got to preach patience with them as well.
1: The latest news about your team. The biggest stories from your terraces. The most exciting moments from your week. Forget the clickbaits and listen to real fans bringing you real news every single day from the Premier League. Listen and subscribe now wherever you find your podcasts by searching Football Social Daily. You're still involved with football now, obviously. You're not completely out of it. You're over in Los Angeles with San and Surf Soccer Club. Has your experiences as a young player and going through the academy shaped the way that you deal now with youngsters that are interested in football?
0: Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, teaching the core values, very patient with the kids. You know, coaching was always something I wanted to get into very early. I started coaching when I was 16, 17. It's always something that I've really wanted to get into. And I actually would say it's close, if not above the enjoyment levels of when I was playing. Just kind of giving back to the game. And yeah, definitely the experiences I went through in terms of the pressures, you know, the things that don't matter, the things that do matter, you know, take care of the little things, that stuff. Was definitely coming into my coaching role. and I will say, however, because of the level I have played, luckily my expectations are definitely high and my the teams I coach will tell you that. You know, very expectant and always want everything done correctly and in a certain way and we want to play a certain way. But hopefully it comes off in a good way.
1: What do you think makes a good coach?
0: Someone who cares. Um, I think that's the most important thing, that like someone who generally cares about you as a player, but also as a person. I was one of those who needed the arm around the shoulder. Some people need to kick up the ass, you know, <laughs> depending um, on who you are. But I'm very much of the, you've got to realise who you're dealing with. Every kid's different. You've got to treat every kid different. I know they say, treat every kid the same, but not every kid is the same or player is the same. And you've got to kind of realise that everyone needs different motivations and different things. So I would say someone who really cares and is compassionate is... Number one for me in coaching, and then everything else comes after that in terms of tactical knowledge, knowledge of the game, setup, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: What are your personal aspirations now, Dan? Are you kind of comfortable being where you are, or do you want to get involved in college soccer? Do you see yourself one day maybe coaching in the MLS and staying in the states?
0: Yeah, good question. I'm um, just kind of happy where I'm at right now. It's very slow. I know from playing how how long the journey can be, so I'm very patient with that and kind of. You know, one step at a time. In terms of aspirations, you know, I'll probably, I would say, I'd like to get involved in the professional game here in, in the US eventually. Whilst I miss family and friends and Chelsea every week at home, I don't really miss the place as much. I'm kind of settled here in LA. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of suits me as a person more here. So, yeah, definitely. Um, I've been involved in the college game before. I was assistant coach in college before, and I coach a high school team or a secondary school team here now. A private boys' team in downtown Los Angeles, which is a very, very good program, one of the top programs in the country. So I'm very lucky with that. So I'm very happy there. Yeah, and eventually we'll get into the program in terms of the M. If it's the MLS or not, we'll see. But yeah, I want to stay involved in the game as long as possible.
1: What's the quality like with the these kind of younger players coming through at the moment? Because I think the, for, for for a long time the MLS has been this up and coming place of football and kind of a, a sleeping giant, if you like, because of the size of the population as much as anything else and the facilities that are available, but we don't see a massive amount of evidence of that talent coming through. Is it? Is it still developing?
0: Definitely developing, but developing at a quicker rate than when I first got here, for sure. Um, I know people, I've seen it on obviously on Twitter and other places and I see it every day at work. People are talking about all these kids coming through now, obviously at the top level, obviously zig was one of the first mm. but now you've got Rayner and McKinney. There's There's definitely more coming through. And you see it, um, the level in terms of the talent around at a younger age as well. You know, you, it's easy to kind of see it when they're teenage years or just before, but when now you're starting to see the improvement in even young ages and that. So, it, and it's pretty rapid. And like you say, the facilities and the money involved and the structure, where there's discrepancies in some places, such as the MLS, they're having relegation of promotion. But I guess that's for another day. There is um, significant steps being made in the game here, for sure, and you can definitely see it.
1: The other strings to your bow in terms of football is... I'm going to use the term. You're a bit of a Chelsea ITK, but I know you absolutely hate the term ITK and don't particularly like <laughs> being associated with it. So I use it with caution. Right. But essentially, you you share news and info on the club that you get from your various sources, and you you kind of you keep your finger of the pulse of what's going on at Stamford Bridge. Essentially, does that come from a place of wanting to still
0: feel connected with your football club? Do you think? It's a good question. Yeah, um, I've always been connected luckily you know from playing from having friends family whatever in the club I don't know if it's connected as such but maybe in terms of because I don't live in the area anymore and obviously I'm in LA so always want to stay connected in that respect but it was more just a fact of kind of giving back to the fans because mm. you know Chelsea are, are run in such a certain way where in all honesty Jim not much does come out you know they're, they're very tight it's a very tight ship they run it very well and not much comes out, but luckily if, you know, you are connected in the right places, you can get them odd bits and bobs there, which I am. And in terms of sharing it on Twitter, as you say, is an ITK, which as you do know, um, it's not <laughs> my favourite acronym because there's a lot of people there, out there, unfortunately, who kind of set up an account for ITK in their bio that's it you know, luckily from the stuff I've done in this transfer window, it's all that's been pretty much spot And I'm very lucky that the sport's been great. But, yeah, in terms of why I decided to do it, I have friends in and around the club. And I have also friends who I've met on the platform very respectfully who have just kind of always been there and kind of said, oh, Dan, why don't you do it? Why don't you share? Like, Mm. you know, I have inside conversations in DMs and on WhatsApp and whatnot with very connected people. And it's always like, oh, you spot on. why don't you share it? It's like, I didn't want to be that guy. You know, I don't want to be known Mm. as that ITK. And it's just recently this transfer window where I was kind of like, you know what, a couple of opportunities came my way, connections stay strong, why not kind of give back to the game, give back to the people and there as much as I can do and as respectfully me as I can do to kind of help out myself and also the Chelsea fans, yeah.
1: As you say, there's various levels of people who seem to have insider knowledge. Sometimes it just involves putting ITK in your Twitter bio and sometimes you've actually got connections, but there's various people that do this stuff at other clubs. For you, what's the deal with it? How does it work? Is it kind of... Is it direct contact with the people involved? Is it hush whispers or is it sometimes clubs or agents kind of wanting stories to reach the public domain that maybe the official channels are kind of steering clear off a little bit?
0: I would say the latter is more of a height, probably above my level in terms of agents wanting, because that is true that agents do want certain stories coming Mm. out and certain things to be posted for obvious reasons, like you saw the the whole Thomas Partey thing to Arsenal and Chelsea and his dad now saying that, you know, he wanted he really wanted to go to Chelsea and that, and his agent was it was very common knowledge if you're connected that his agent was offering Thomas to Chelsea, Juventus and other clubs and really wanted him to go there. So that does happen. But in terms of where I'm a kind of at, yeah, it comes from direct sources to the club, direct sources around the game and Some sources are better than others, some connections are better than others. And what I try to always do is cross reference two, three, four people that I know to always make sure because you know, it only takes one gaffe on the platform and that's your reputation or that's you've gone. So I always try to be extra careful with it. If I hear one thing, I don't go straight on Twitter and tweet it out. I always kinda when I confirm it with the source, where it came from, and always cross-reference with two, three, four other guys who I know around the club, which I'm lucky to do. You know, if you have just one guy, it's great. Even that's brilliant, but sometimes, you know, it's good to kind of cross-reference. But also what people don't realise is how quickly things can change, especially in the transfer market. You know, there's literally stories, as you've seen, where they're about to sign a deal, and then the deal's cut off within two minutes. And people don't realise that, I don't think, on Twitter sometimes that, things can change in an instant and it's not you haven't lied about what's happened two hours ago it's just changed it's fun it's definitely fun kind Mm. of having them connections i'd rather have them than not have them and i'm very lucky to have them but as i've always said to people on that platform people i speak to it's it's not for me to do kind of to become famous or sort of become a journalist as such. It's it's more just to kind of, like you say, stay connected to the club, keep my connections strong. And just because I haven't really, and if opportunities come from it, then great. If they don't, then I'll be happy because obviously I'm very happy with what I do with my coaching. So.
1: And if you want to put Dan's inside knowledge to the test, Maca Sport is the place to find him on Twitter. Nice one, Dan. That was absolutely perfect, mate. Really appreciate that. Appreciate
0: it, Jim. Thanks for having me, buddy.
1: That's it for this episode of Football Stories. Cheers, Dan, for chatting. You can find more from him on his Twitter account, as he mentioned, Macca Sport on Twitter there, particularly if you're a Chelsea fan. Loads of breaking news and transfer of gossip and whatnot. And you can hear more from me on Football Social Daily, thats Sports Social's daily Premier League podcast. To find that, search Football Social Daily wherever you find your podcasts for the latest news, gossip, views in podcast form every single day of the season. Also, there's more from me on the rest of the Football Stories series, including if you want more insight on youth football and player development in the Premier League, then I recommend you listen to the conversation I had with former City youth coach Steve Ayer really interesting chat with him and some great stories about a certain mr phil foden too make sure you click subscribe on this podcast and if you enjoyed today's pod please leave us a review wherever it is you listen to podcasts and help others enjoy the pod too click subscribe because season two is coming soon in the new year thanks for listening football stories is a sports social production and part of the sports social podcast network hosted and produced by jim
0: salverson with additional production support and imaging from ant mcginley
1: Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk